No, before I start my message, <coughs> you know this is a day we always try to remember and honor those who have, you know, given their lives in service for our country. This whole weekend, you know, all the celebrations are about remembering people who lost their lives or gave their lives so we could have freedom. And today I'm, I'm thinking that um, it's so much bigger. I, I don't think there's anybody here who can could say that they have not been affected by the wars. And I think of how the wars started when Satan rebelled in heaven. And the, the things we read in scripture that there's constantly spiritual warfare going on. Those of you who have really got into prayer and some of our intercessors know that the spiritual warfare that is waged uh, for, for people's minds, their emotions, their will, their soul, their lives, their future, it's an ongoing thing. If we could see around us sometimes, we would be in awe of, of the battles we see going on or the demonic strongholds and forces that are moving on people to do the things that they do. And I think of what Jesus said, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. I was thinking about my own life, how I was deeply affected because my father fought in World War II and the effects of seeing how he was affected and always wanting him to come out of his deep, depression and the, the post-traumatic that he experienced from combat and knowing how much that has affected me. And then the promise that we have from Jesus that, you know, the, that someday they're going to turn all the weapons of war into weapons of productivity and goodness. And I think how Jesus went, and it seems like when he went to the cross, he lost the war in the spirit because he was crucified on the cross, but that was the death blow to end all war. And we know Jesus is coming back as a conquering king to end war as we know it on this earth. And Satan will be put away for a season. And I was just thinking today, I don't know, maybe you've never thought about this, but I think it's a point of prayer right now. Maybe you know someone, maybe you know things in your past or people and the spiritual wars that has gone on, I think God wants to release us from effects of, of loss and war, and even the spiritual wars that have gone on. And maybe you're thinking and praying for people, <coughs> excuse me, right now, that there's a spiritual battle for. Maybe you're in war and things in your life to break strongholds. I tell you, there's maybe a... Um, and appropriating today of the freedom from what Jesus did, that you might walk in the, in the freedom from that warfare and the freedom from those things that Jesus already paid for to set you free. Lord, just, we just want to take a, a few moments right now, and God, I ask that you would heal the post-traumatic represented in this congregation from war, from the spiritual warfare, from the attacks on their lives, we pray for those who you want to save, that there's a spiritual battle going on to hold on to their soul and to keep them from responding to you. We pray, we add our prayers right now, you'd break every stronghold over our loved ones and the people that we're praying for. That Satan, that Satan wants to make them uh, a casualty of, a, of the greatest spiritual war there is, and that's the loss of a soul. We just pray in the name of Jesus, you'd bring a great healing to our body and a great healing for us as we look forward in the future to live in victory and to live overcoming and to be grateful, Lord, for what you did on the cross, 
for what you did to set us free from this spiritual warfare and what you've done, Lord, in allowing people to die even so that we might have freedom today. God, we pray for those men and women who have uh, not only lost their lives, but those who have come back with all kinds of traumatic brain injuries, uh, lost limbs, emotional trauma. We pray for them today. We lift up the families of those who have lost, even in the recent wars. Oh, God, there's such a cry in hearts, Lord, over that grief. And there's such a need for healing, Lord Jesus. We ask that you would come and heal the hearts of people today. Lord, as people are remembering this weekend, Lord, about loved ones lost and about thinking about what sacrifices others have made that we might have freedom, I pray for healing. <clears throat> that what you did on the cross would be applied to them today. That souls would find healing, that hearts would find rest. That their people would come into a new season of joy and expectation and overcoming because of what you've done. I just ask it in Jesus' name. We ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name. <coughs> I want to start a message today. I don't know how far it's going to go, or I don't know how many weeks I'm going to do, do it, but a look at God's commandments. And I think especially as Christians today and those of us who understand grace and are trying to live out grace, the importance of commandments in our life. Um, in um, when you think about commandments, it's like God's law. One of the one of the definitions about God's law is is in the Hebrew, and it means God's commands are direction, their instruction, their ruling, and their teaching. God's laws, God's commandments, are like safe boundaries that are for our good and therefore our protection. And they're not to harm us. They're very practical. They're very applicable. You know, when I worked, at, when I was a uh, driver, we were attached to uh, the traffic department. And because we, the traffic department dealt with all the uh, incoming explosives and chemicals that went into making rocket propellant and all the things going into the aerospace stuff, they had to make sure paperwork was behind everything. I remember every time we took a load of explosives on the roads that we had to have a stack of paperwork that told the fire department how to fight the fire, that told uh, any, anything that, that happened, how the, how the chemicals were supposed to be treated. And so we had these commandments. We had these procedures that were so stringent and had to be applied. I remember uh, going back to work one day, I had gone to Stanford and picked up some explosives, and I remember this highway patrol passed me, and he whipped his turnaround. I knew he was going to pull me over, and he wanted to know what I was doing with explosives on the back road. Well, you know, I said, there's a rocket ranch out here, you know, and had to show him my paperwork. But that whole thing about procedures, in, the, in, our, in, our, in our traffic department, they had this whole group that all they did was they wrote up these things called material handlers, and they were specifically told you how to uh, secure uh, an item you were hauling, whether it's rope, chain, straps, how you were secure it, and it was detailed, and you had to follow that. And if you didn't follow that and something happened, they would go back and take that paperwork out, and you would either get time off or termination because you didn't follow that rules and laws. And we think about commandments, and we think about God's Ten Commandments and what He says to us. We we kind of like wonder like, you know, what are we supposed to do? You know, uh, we kind of like 
we kind of hesitate in like obeying the commandments of God and thinking that they have uh, really validity or we kind of tend to like, well, you know, I'm free in Christ. He paid for all my commandments. And I feel like he, God wants us to really embrace more of the commandments and the power of the Holy Spirit gives us to keep those commandments so that we can walk in a greater victory and the benefit of those commandments. You know, every day we have to stop at stop signs. And more and more we see people, how many people on the road are fo following the rules less? You know, uh, changing lanes without signaling, no seatbelts, uh, speeding. You know, there's all these things going on. And what we know when we get outside the commandments, we start to be able to incur the consequences that's going to happen if something happens. And so that place where uh, we see it, it's in our day, that spirit of lawlessness that the Bible talked about. Um, our current society is like, they kind of ignore the commandments, the laws of the land, because they want to be this, they want to have this freedom. They want to, they don't want to be restrained by anything. That whole attitude in our society about live and let live. Do whatever you feel like doing. Do what you want to do. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, Paul warns, the mystery of hidden truth, the hidden truth of lawlessness is already at work, and it's been working for years. It's that spiritual dimension eroding uh, commands and good decisions and good uh, instructions, great procedures, you know, the shortcuts. You know, how many times we've been tempted to take the shortcut or do the easy thing, and then we incur consequences because we've obeyed a command we disobeyed a command that would uh, cost us something. Well, we're going to kind of look at the commandments today. And God gives Israel commandments. We know that he revealed himself to Israel as a nation. He told the nation his name through Moses, that he was the I am, everything. I am covers everything about God, and he introduces himself as the I am. A God who has been really silent and not speaking to the people uh, verbally, is now speaking to Israel, declaring who he is. We know the story. He delivers it, he, you know, Israel from Egypt. It says that you know, there was this incredible change. And I don't think we can fully understand what Israel had gone through and the demands that they were under, under Pharaoh. And you know, when we think of uh, sometimes being in a situation or being under a boss or in a certain place where we are under stringent demands and requirements. I bet you, if you uh, would t think about it today, you know the different requirements you have on your job, the different procedures you have to follow, and sometimes they just darn right irritate you, uh, the, the red tape that you have to deal with, but you are under that. And yet when it comes to God's laws and stuff, we kind of like are flippant. We kind of just like, eh, that's no big deal. There's grace. And that's the thing I want us to really see as we talk about this. And it says that through very many miracles that God brought Israel out of Egypt. The fact that he began to speak to his people was that he was awakening the spiritual side. And I think he was hoping that they knew what it meant to be under the demands of Pharaoh. But I think he was hoping that they would be able to respond to his loving commands and the things that he was going to set up over their lives to br bring a new safety and a security and to help them start a brand new life. 
Can you imagine how strict it was? The Israelites had to obey Pharaoh's commands at risk of being beaten by their own taskmasters. Who were those go-betweens where they seemed like they had a little bit more favor from Pharaoh, and yet they oppressed their own people? Would it be unreasonable that Israel would obey the one who freed them? Think of it. Couldn't they transfer their allegiance and obedience under fear of the whip and the harsh treatment to now turn and become obedient to this God who is representing himself as the I am, who is taking them out of the place of bondage and now going to do something brand new for them? You know, in John 14, 15, Jesus tells us, If you love me, keep my commandments. Israel's new Lord. In Exodus 19, 1 through 9, in the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain, Mount Sinai, meaning uncertain. So they had come out of a place of bondage that they knew under laws so incredibly hard that oppressed and took the life out of their bodies, their soul, their mind, their emotions, and their very spirit. And now they're at the wilderness. And it's interesting that wilderness is a place of transition. God was transitioning out from under the demands and commands of an evil ruler, and he was initiating a place where they were, they were in an uncertain place, but they were in a place where they were beginning to open up and receive God and almost like change their mindset and change what they were going to live under. And so God is about ready to give them commands so that they have a whole new frame of reference of which they can rebuild their life. Israel's king was no longer Pharaoh. It was God Almighty. A new beginning, a new God, a new master, New commandments. Ever had your boss change and then everything changes and everything procedure you're used to doing now is out the window and you're thinking like, this can't be happening. Because in our minds and the way we do things, it's so so ingrained in us. <clears throat> but God was trying to transition Israel and have them be open to hear him. They were very obedient to Pharaoh. God was going to ask them to become obedient to him. Verse 3 says, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. How often does God carry us out of a place to a new place and we don't recognize him or we don't recognize now what he wants us to do or what he wants to say to us. I think this is very applicable for us. Can you think of a place God has moved you from, how he's borne you out of things and he's taken you to a new place? But it's so easy for us to take for granted what God's done but not want to surrender our heart and become more obedient and to be more mindful and aware and to listen for now what he wants to say to us. Because just like he took Israel out of bondage, he does things for us to bring a new trust into our allegiance to him, 
that we would obey him in a greater way. Verse 5 says, Now therefore, if you will heed and obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So he was simply asking them, I'm taking you out from under slavery. Now I just want you to learn to have a, have a relationship and have this heart worship. And you just have, he, wants, he just wanted them to obey him. Verse 7 says, So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So not only God was going to give them a whole new experience with a better leader, a supernatural leader, God himself coming down to visit them, but now he was giving them a spiritual leader who would help them to make that transition from the slavery and the bondage into a relationship with the living God. I just want to say, as we can learn from the Israelites, when God begins to speak, when God begins to change your life, you have to hear what he's saying to you and start doing it. That's the, that is kind of the, the key to experience God more and to get more revelation. Because when you're responding to what he's telling you, it gets easier to hear the next thing. But if we close our ears off, if we kind of pull back from what God's saying to us, we're starting to really dull our hearing. It's like tuning out God, and then when we want to hear him, we're not hearing him because we're not obeying. The next is 19, 14 through 20. So Moses went down to the people, and he consecrated them for worship, and they washed their clothes, and he told them, get ready for the third day until then. So God was preparing them. They were getting holy. They were separating themselves from everything going on, and they were getting single-hearted and single-minded because God was going to speak to them. And so they were just preparing themselves. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed, and a dense cloud came down on the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from a ram's horn, and all the people trembled. Moses led them out from the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. All of the Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. Kind of like if what's going on over there in Hawaii right now. All kinds of lava, flashes, smoke. I mean, that's pretty terrifying for the people close to that to see. And when they were seeing this kind of thing, it was like uh, all of their senses were involved. They were totally connected with what God was doing because he was on the mountain and he was demonstrating visually with these, these natural events that brought a real fear of God on them. It says the smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a thick kiln and the mountain shook violently. And as the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. The Lord came down on the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses climbed the mountain. The Old Testament covenant was initiated with great power and glory. 
In 2 Corinthians 3, 7, Paul mentions that. And he, Paul goes on right there to say, this covenant, this thing that God initiated and the commands he's going to give them was so dramatic and it was so powerful. It was to resonate deep inside of them that this was where they were going to begin to, to hear God and then follow the examples by, that God was giving them of obeying the commandments. You know, God's Ten Commandments, we're going to kind of go through them today, but it so reminds me of how we've been going through this thing in Titus with Chip Ingram on Wednesdays and, uh, and Thrive and then our community groups about doing good. And he's been really hitting about going back and obeying what God says and being diligent in our relationships to do good and communicate and to do those things that are, are pleasing to God because it's going to help us in our relationship and help us grow. The definition of commandments from the Strong's is an obligation, prescribed terms, directives, orders, instructions. In Exodus 20, 1 through 17, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. It's so important to know what God wants of us. So often we wonder, what are we supposed to do with our lives? What does God want to do? To embrace and obey the Lord's commands, we must ask, have we made the Lord our God? I think that's the, the point where we're ever going to start, <coughs> excuse me, wherever we're going to start following someone or obeying them, we have to decide, are we going to fully serve him? Do we really want him all the way? And today, if you feel like there's areas where, you know what, I'm not ready to maybe um, obey all God's commands. It's a place that only takes a moment to say, okay, God, you know what, I, I know there's enough goodness happening through you that I think I can make that commitment. God, help me. Help me to be able to give you my whole heart that I might follow you with everything in my heart. Then that grace of God comes to us because we're in a new covenant with Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. It says, Paul wrote that in him, he, he causes us to live and to want and to will to do what pleases him. So it's a work of God in the Spirit. But first we have to lay out the things that, are, are not, that we know are not right, that we don't want to do, that are against what God wants. So I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. You know, we could be overwhelmed by just hearing that, just saying, I can't have any other gods before me. Right away, we probably know that we have things before God. And it's those things we begin to bring to God and say, okay, God, you know, I'm not supposed to have anything before you. You're not really first in my life. And it doesn't take long to offer that first thing that's between you and God. It's not something you have to work up and do. It's something you have to present to God because he said we can't do anything without him. And so us offering those blocks, us offering those things that keep us from obeying God help us to begin to allow him. We're giving God permission. We're giving the Holy Spirit permission in us to remove that as an idol or, or something that's taking the place of God. And you may feel uncomfortable inside, the enemy may come and say, oh, this is too much, you can't do it. No, you can't do it. Yes, it is too much. But whatever asks of you, 
God gives you the grace to change, and then you'll find the breakthrough and a greater relationship with God and the freedom that you've been longing. Because whatever we have before God, it really is not satisfying anyway. It's kind of like a temporary fix because we can't really trust God and we can't let go of this thing. But he was simply saying, you've got to have me to really have more. You shall make for yourself, <coughs> you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness or anything that is above in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands who those and to those who love me and keep my commandments. I want to say I'm so glad that God breaks generational curses. The things that our fathers did, the things that we find ourselves tempted in coming into, Jesus breaks the generational bondages so that we don't incur the sins passed down. We may have different evidences of those things, but we can appropriate and have, the broke, have those things broken off so that we're living in the covenant of Jesus Christ and living under the blessing and the freedom that he has for us. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. We probably all have been guilty of using the Lord's name in vain. And right now you'll probably be feeling or hearing condemning thoughts. Thank you, Jesus. God, forgive me for taking your name in vain. You said, if I confess my sin, that you're faithful because I'm in you, Jesus, to forgive me of that sin, but to cleanse me of the unrighteousness. God, break off the iniquity that would come down upon me, the, the bent of sin that would be on me because I've used your name in vain. God, forgive me that when I use your name, it's a powerful thing. It's an impartation. It's a blessing. It's a covering. It's rebuking the darkness. It's naming who I am in you because of the blood and the power of Jesus in his name. So him asking us and telling us not to use his name in vain is an incredible for us so that we can align ourselves so we can be more free. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, we're remembering today. We're here to worship. Thank you all for coming today. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord for <coughs> of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male servant nor your female servant, nor your cattle nor your stranger who is in your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and all that is in them. And he rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. We know we're free. It doesn't mean you can't do anything like it under the Old Testament. But it's that whole idea of putting aside a day like we're doing today to come and worship God. It's the idea now through Jesus Christ that we are free to enjoy this day. But it also reminds us that God knows we need rest that our bodies need rest, our minds need rest, our spirit needs to be recharged with the presence of God and in worship. And so we take this day and we honor God. But it's about God giving us a day so that we might be refreshed. He cares about you. And so maybe you find yourself a little bit too busy. It's for you to make sure you sit down and just rest sometimes, that you put your work aside, that you honor your body to get rest and get reconditioned and rested in ready for what's, what's coming in the future. Will you stand with me this morning?
just covering those couple commandments, maybe there's something you want to just offer to the Lord today. Maybe you'd like to just pray and say, you know, I've really been wrestling with something, and, you know, I want to put you first. Maybe you would like to just come on your own over here on my right, your left, and just say, God, I want to give you something. I want to I remove any obstacles between me and you. And so I just want to pray and give that to you today. Why don't you do that? If you want prayer about anything, come over here on my left. You're right. And people will lay their hands on you. They'll pray over you. And you can experience just that freedom that you need, the answers to prayer. If there's a burden on your heart, there's something you're wrestling with. Maybe you've never accepted Christ and, and you're, you're feeling drawn, but you don't, you don't know if you're saved or not. People will pray and be, make sure that you're saved. People will give you a Bible so that you'll have a place to start reading. Thank you for coming. I hope you're going to have a great weekend and that you keep growing in God and learning that God's commandments are going to be a blessing. It says that God's commandments are not grievous or burdensome. God blesses us when we follow his commands.